Good morning, good afternoon, good evening or good night. It's Neve Brannigan here from IFL. If you're a regular listener, it's lovely to have you back. And if you're a first timer, welcome. Here at the Irish Film London podcast, we bring you all of the latest and greatest talent from Irish film, TV and animation with recordings of live Q&As and interviews from our festivals and award ceremonies, as well as a host of brand new interviews, one of which I'm delighted to bring you today. In today's episode, I get to chat to a young up-and-coming director, Sean Clancy. We talk to Sean about how he got into the industry, how he navigates his way through it, and how he balances being a writer, editor, and director, and also what's next on his horizon. Here at IFL, we love supporting new up-and-coming talent, so make sure to check out Sean's work when you're finished with us here. And just before we begin, we'd like to thank Culture Ireland and the Irish Emigrant Support Programme for their ongoing support and encouragement for our work including this podcast series. Enjoy, folks. So, Sean Clancy, welcome to the Irish Film London podcast. We're delighted to have you on. Thanks for having me, Neve. Um, I want to introduce you to our listeners as one of Ireland's big, up-and-coming young filmmakers. So, no pressure. So, to go right back, tell us about where the love of film came from growing up and then kind of what made you want to pursue it as a profession. Uh, I suppose um, it goes right back. Like when I was a kid, I remember people used to ask me, is in like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And because I was really big into like drawing and stuff like that, I'd say, I want to be an animator, like just like the cartoons I watched on TV and stuff. Um, and then as I got older, that kind of turned into like games. I want to make games. I'm like big into video games and stuff like that. And then I suppose somewhere around kind of early mid teens, the animation and video games went into like filmmaking. Cause I think I realized that I wasn't into, I wasn't into the technical side of what I imagine the games would be like kind of coding or you know my vague understanding of it at the time at least and that I was probably more interested in the kind of storytelling side of things and the characters and all the things that I found exciting about movies I suppose um, and all of that had been like watching films and stuff that had just been in the background growing up but kind of taking it for granted you know like staying up late to watch movies or like rent out videotapes and all that kind of thing like the best yeah exactly and I had like older brothers and sisters as well so even when I was really young like I remember like them getting you know they'd rent out like bad boys or something and I was too young to watch it but uh you could kind of sneak in and like get little glimpses of it and they're like no get out or then like <laughs> the next day and you could stick it into the the tape recorder and I remember like another one was actually down at a friend's house and we had um his brothers and sisters had gotten like the Blair Witch um, and we were, yeah we were quite young like uh and they'd gotten like the Blair Witch and they watched the night before and they're like no it's far too scary you can't watch that so we woke up really early the next morning uh and went down and just watch it like in like morning sunlight basically oh well it probably went over our heads a little bit as well it was just kind of like it was just a lot of kind of up nose shots yeah of, exactly yeah. I think the tension was lost on the kids it's just like what <laughs> That's a pretty big uh, stark difference from uh, Blair Witch Project to Bad Boys. So you were definitely getting a. Uh, range yeah, there was no discrimination genres. in terms of taste. No, absolutely not. It was like whatever, whatever caught my eye. Uh, I remember I used to just stay up, like I go through the, like the Orky Guide and stuff as well, and just see 
like read those little tiny descriptions and stuff like that and you know if the most interesting movie is on at like two o'clock like i you know try and stay up until like two o'clock and everything Amazing. else that's why the summer holidays are like great for that because just like let do what i want in terms of like no school in the morning that's fine just exactly just keep going so i think that's probably where all of that came from just like a maybe an unhealthy level of uh of watching films when i when i was a kid and then yeah that kind of transition period around um secondary school where you know you start getting asked like if you want to go to college or what are you thinking about um so i started it was like oh i think it's filmmaking so i started looking into that um and then went to to go away from there so that's um studied film down there for like three years um and that's kind of that's kind of the start of that because maybe before that i hadn't really made anything i was just kind of into it well actually no that's not true i had made like uh, some short films with a friend of mine callum condren who's actually who's done all the music on pretty much everything i've made oh so, that's amazing so it's kind of yeah you're kind of bringing your your childhood friends along the ride with you yeah absolutely yeah so like we're friends since we're maybe about like eight or nine years old um and again would have been into the same things in terms of like movies games that kind of thing and he had a camcorder his parents had a camcorder which was um the only camcorder we had access to uh they weren't that common i don't remember growing up but um we done that thing of um just making films in calum's house we dress up as as however many characters we needed to dress up as and we would kind of edit it on the tape uh, you know so like you stop and then you want to shoot the next shot and next thing you like so you're kind of like you're going like that but the only way we had of like watching the movies back was to also like stick the camera into the tv and play them off of that so it was you know a very limited viewing experience as well and you know I think we were probably the only audience for it as well um well you were obviously um kind of hardcore editing even back then without you realizing <laughs> yeah. it that's it i was just like you know to us it was just like a bit of crack really and we're just kind of emulating the the movies we we're watching and the games we were playing and stuff like that so we're just like you know we're just playing we're playing every character and and every role in like different versions of like tarantino style movies and stuff like that exactly. again like it's our version of it but a lot of this is going over the heads of like you know nine ten year olds <laughs> i think just running around with guns playing gangsters Exactly. And tell us about then. So you left um, GMIT in 2010. Yeah. And what then. was your kind of introduction and into the your profession? Like what was the transition from kind of education into career like? Uh, I think the first job I had out of college was editing wedding videos. So um, I got uh, an offer for a job down in Galway to to start working for this uh, wedding video company and it was uh, it was really cool in the sense that um well first of all someone is like giving you money to like kind of work in filmmaking or work in filmmaking and you know get to use the skills that you've kind of learned over the last few years well i suppose it was uh, good for me in the sense that um maybe it's like a certain discipline to like editing and that like there was always wedding videos to edit so like every day you show up um you're kind of you know uh, at the start of the start of the hill pushing that rock up again kind of thing so you just like show up every day and kind of just understand that like um 
you just show up and you do the work and you kind of move it along further so even though like wedding videos aren't particularly glamorous or exciting maybe creatively or anything like that you're yeah instilling a certain work ethic i suppose really which is probably exactly what i needed just after getting out of college and being a bit like directionless and everything else um, and i so. think as well with um with wedding videos i actually do find them quite fascinating because you really kind of have to be a bit of a fly on the wall and just an observer for the day and i'd say that probably maybe even subconsciously would have led into your other work especially maybe your writing of like people and how they interact with each other in, in different scenarios and you know because you've obviously witnessed so many and like kind of been privy to to loads of that without even really realizing yeah very very true um like editing is, is always interesting um and especially like kind of as you're talking about there like a something like a wedding in particular which is like a um a very big event in anyone's life but um yeah, so you're getting like this kind of very intimate look at um, these people's lives and that like kind of one day and stuff like that. And so it's, yeah, it's very interesting just in terms of like the similarities you see across weddings as well and then the, the differences. And then even within, you know, the few hours of footage that you're editing, the kind of sense of uh, sense of like stress and tension in the day or like happiness or like kind of dynamics between certain people. And then the kind of change in mood and tone as like, you the know, drink the, flows. Like, yeah, exactly. The bright house in the mornings were kind of like, it's a certain, can be a certain vibe. And then by the time, you know, dinner and speeches are all done and everything else and everyone's like getting drunk, then it's like completely, completely different day again. So it's like fascinating on a <laughs> kind of a, you know, human anthropological level or whatever, but uh yeah, just from like an editing point of view then as well, it's like, it's good to like get used to having like hours of footage to like sift through every day, every week uh, and just kind of like getting quicker at that as well, getting more familiar with all these kind of processes and stuff. But yeah, wedding videos is like, is an interesting one. That was there. Uh, Definitely. And then you clearly um, have been shooting and somewhat directing and then editing pretty much from, from the get-go because then in... 2015 I think it was with uh your kind of first major showcase of of uh a short film was Cavalier which you also wrote shot directed and edited so you're a bit of a, a one-stop shop which uh which is quite satisfying I imagine um uh, yeah it's, it's yeah. it could be can be fun it's like it's a certain way of making things uh if there's like no money to make a thing uh because um like i think pretty much anyone like in the kind of creative field like understands that that like impulse and urge to like want to make something but then also being hampered by um just how like competitive or how limited kind of funding uh, opportunities can be and stuff like that but um yeah it's really important i think to just to make things in whatever capacity or whatever resources you have to hand because like ultimately it'll probably never be as good as you imagine in your head but it is the only way to like start making steps to get better at it as well so I think like that's where those things uh, came from like it's always slightly embarrassing to like uh, have too many like credits to your to your name at the at the end of a, a film or something like that like some kind of like huge ego thing as opposed to like no it's literally just like me and my mates like 
just doing this for no money kind of thing yeah and why why pay uh why pay other people when you know you do it yourself <laughs> so with cavalier it traveled it did really well in loads of different kind of short film festivals at home and over in the u.s so kind of what was that like for having something of yours for the first time kind of being out there and being seen by so many people and kind of having something now quite tangible of of what you do and how you want to kind of represent yourself yeah, that was um, that was really cool. Um, because I suppose before before making it, it was like it was literally just the impulse to make it. Like here's a kind of a loose idea, and you know I think it could be done like this, um, and then you have it done. So you kind of it's like oh you know it'd be good to like try and get out to festivals and stuff like that. But then seeing the response and see it get like kind of kind of a acknowledgement and a recognition. Uh, like yeah like across the world and like different parts of the world and stuff like that that was was really unexpected but also um i guess kind of like, kind of like a confidence boost or like maybe like a reassurance along the way as well that if you if you do these things um you know you put like effort into them put time and effort into them and you kind of put yourself out there that you can you can kind of uh I don't know kind of stake a claim or like move a little further along the path as well and that you get really I suppose you're just learning ultimately is kind of what you're looking for from from all these things and um, so that was it was yeah it was great like kind of reassurance that if you do these things people people do care and that you can Absolutely. see yourself get better as well well they, yeah definitely and I think that people can see the care and you know that that goes into these projects you know it, it it definitely comes across in kind of you just wanting to make your own work and and getting your name out there because uh you can't always sit by the phone i am now learning that as an actor it's taken me this long um but how did um cavalier come about kind of how was it born <sighs> how was it born i think um there would have been i think there was like maybe like loose monologues um uh, loose monologues I had for like a character so Peter McGann uh, is the the lead in it uh, and I met Pete in college and uh, know him very well and we've made like lots of different kind of comedy sketches and, and stuff like that over the years and um, and I wanted to make something with him and had this kind of um, idea I guess for a character that basically had this kind of stream of consciousness monologue except two camera so and thought that would be like something that Pete could do quite well, do it in kind of a, a funny way. And then also like kind of draw from, I guess, experience from, or like ideas maybe more so from my own life at the time and like kind of friends, certain kind of like, it was like, what was it, maybe early twenties, kind of like that directionless thing that I was kind of talking about or like maybe feeling lost more so than anything else. Uh, and there's like, oh, like, what do I do? Or what's like, what's the next step? Or like that kind of, um, push and pull of um not sure what you should do and like uh friends kind of drifting apart and going on to different parts of their life and everything else so it was all very kind of loose collection of those kind of ideas i suppose uh fashioned into something that was kind of kind of bittersweet and comedic um and that kind of stylistically i think there was like kind of martin scorsese kind of stuff in my head even though the film itself doesn't like really like uh, stay true to that kind of thing there was I remember just like a I think a Scorsese short from I think maybe after his uh, film school days um where main characters like addressing the camera and even those things like motions the camera to come closer to him which I just 
like 100% lifted and ripped off. Uh, but kind of stylistic things that are like kind of quite fun to play around with. And that was probably the first time that I'd ever written something that I tried to kind of skew a little bit closer to reality as opposed to just, you know, pure genre stuff like making a Western or, you know, like very movie, movie type movies. Um, and yeah, that was the first time I suppose that I tried to do something a little bit more kind of personal. Um, Definitely. Well, it went, it went down so well. And I think sometimes people can really feel the, the, like they can really relate to it when when sometimes it comes across that whoever wrote it you know it's it's relatable or they've been through it or they've seen it or you know there's definitely obviously there's a place for so many different kinds of genres but I think definitely especially with film festivals um stuff that's kind of relatable um always kind of really goes down well so that's really great that that was kind of your first introduction yeah um into uh, into that scene because since then, you've kind of just been going on the up and up, which is fantastic. But you were then nominated for a Young Director Award for the Music Video Super Sillies Not Ready to Leave. You were nominated for a Kinsale Shark Award for Katie Laughlin's Tastemaker. A Shiny Award for I Am Harlequin's Minimal. And then finally, an Emerging Director Award with Screen Ireland. So... You've been pretty busy, which is pretty great, because I was going to ask, how have you balanced that kind of freelance work style, like lifestyle, you know, that kind of that to keep that drive and that motivation to keep making your own work or to keep getting yourself out there to get work. Um, yeah, that kind of vibe. Yeah, well, the freelance thing, um, it's definitely uh it's definitely a difficult one or a one initially i found difficult at least as in you know just like stumbling around absolutely no idea what i'm doing like how to how to look for work even initially or like where do i go or how do i do this like very like baby steps kind of stuff um but just like kind of everything else we've been talking about it is very much a case of um just kind of trusting in the the process of it and just like kind of throwing yourself into these things and kind of figuring it out as you go along like that analogy of the the Wallace and Gromit thing of you know like the the train and the train tracks you know putting them down as the train's moving that like definitely comes to mind for for pretty much anything I've done <laughs> I think uh there's like a you know you maybe have ideas about how things are going to pan out or what you'd like to do but um there is always a kind of a, a learning curve, uh, especially with the freelance stuff. I find it like um, just maybe get a little bit more uh, comfortable with all of it over the years and in terms of like working with companies and working with people, you start finding like kind of broader similarities and maybe you can like, I don't know, develop a certain professionalism and confidence in your own work as well. So that when you know, you like you agree to these things that it's not like, Oh, fuck can I pull this off it's imposter like, oh, yeah, syndrome no, yeah yeah exactly it's kind of like oh no it's kind of like this thing we could do it like this or you know and it, do you find a, a a big difference between all of those kind of different mediums because those some of those awards are for music videos and then short films and advertisements and so do you kind of find a difference between them or do they all kind of end up they, into one there, there absolutely is like a difference in in there's a difference in all those things, uh, just in terms of like budget level, and then maybe the kind of um, the creative relationship you have with the, the people you're working with, with musicians or clients. So all those have kind of varied and stuff like that. 
but I suppose you always look for the the kind of commonalities or the things that are familiar what you can bring to it and so I think like with with the music videos and um, I think they came they were all kind of made in a maybe about a year of each other or a 12 month period of each other and I think that came from and um, I'd like made some like short film stuff and and like my own stuff that we've been talking about and I wanted to I wanted to do something where I put myself in a position where I was kind of like working with other people or, you know, taking on board their ideas and, and everything else. And I kind of, yeah, I suppose I wanted to challenge myself like that, that I wasn't just like, as you're talking like the kind of one-stop shop kind of thing where you're doing everything yourself, which can be like, can be rewarding, can be interesting and learn a lot. But then also is like, I think at the time I was feeling like, oh, this isn't real filmmaking. Like it's literally just like me messing around. There's like, you know, there's no one else involved. There's no, you know, there's no stakes or there's no yeah, or kind of deadlines from other people or yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Exactly. Which um, sometimes really, really help because if you're kind of doing your your own work, especially writing and stuff like that, you know, it could just go on forever because you kind of sometimes you need someone to kind of just give you a date. And say it has to be done for this either for funding or for scheduling or whatever so yeah definitely pros and con cons with both so it's great that you've been able to kind of experience both sides of it absolutely um and it was really fun to to um either like pitch ideas um to musicians you know things that i wouldn't have thought of uh, if i hadn't been presented with like a certain song or maybe they're coming to me with like certain ideas that again left my own devices wouldn't have come up with so uh that was like creatively that was kind of stimulating as well having come from like just you know writing short films and maybe starting to kind of feel like a, a pattern or you're maybe kind of repeating yourself a little bit that was like kind of a kind of an exciting way to like mix things up uh, and do some do some different things and also to i guess maybe try and um add like a kind of a commercial angle to the work as well or you know to try and essentially that make, versatility yeah yeah exactly you know to kind of <clears throat> transition from something that's maybe more of a hobby into um something that you can um build more of a career out of but then in doing so you get to do more so you get better at it and that can feed into the work that you want to do yourself so it's kind of you know a kind of a, a holistic approach I suppose to like looking at all that stuff as well definitely um, and I imagine it's um well I imagine but uh, you can let me know like is it hard to keep that balance of staying kind of creative and and true to yourself creatively on top of you know paying the bills doing advertisements or editing for you know those kinds of things as well to kind of make sure you don't lose lose yeah. yourself sometimes in in just work that's like um that's that's always there for me at least um that's um that's definitely always there um there's obviously like a certain amount of like stability and everything else is great because it's i mean who doesn't want who doesn't want like a certain degree of stability in your life especially now like yeah and like, especially as a creative <laughs> exactly creative industry in the middle or a creative in the middle of like pandemic is mm -hmm. like double whammy but um there is that kind of like push pull um, and i suppose that's maybe something i've kind of tried to get more comfortable with over the years as well um as opposed to trying or you know 
maybe my kind of default position of being like really dramatic about it like that it has to be like all or nothing kind of thing because i know there's like been plenty of times where um i've had nothing but free time um and um i've you know done very little with it kind of thing and then times where there is more work on and time becomes very sensitive very valuable and stuff like that you, you kind of like you become um yeah you become like um you're able to like fit more things in sometimes almost because it's just like oh, okay well this goes in here and everything else so um i think yeah that kind of like spinning the plates or like kind of balancing act yeah it, absolutely you know, help. well in um moving on from your kind of progression into the professional world um in 2018 i know it wasn't 2018 when you made it but uh, in 2018 your no budget i repeat no budget uh feature film recurrent theme <laughs> <laughs> your feature film locus of control um came out in 2018 and it won the jury special recognition award at the silk road international film festival um, and that was before it was released on Amazon Prime in 2019, which is such an amazing achievement. So tell me about uh, tell me about Locus of Control and then also just kind of like about the process of making it, especially on no budget, which is always fascinating to hear. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. It just it makes it more interesting, doesn't it? You just, like create more obstacles for yourself. Um, I think we're like Locus Control. That came from and um, that came from after after the wedding video job and um, i think yeah so after the wedding video job there was like um a period um where i was on the dole and again just kind of in a situation where it's just like all oh, right like this again i don't feel like um like I creatively I'm kind of a bit trapped here like I can't actually like do anything I can't make anything or, or anything else um, and don't have any work coming in and everything else and through social welfare I got put onto this um it's like a, a six-week computer course or whatever just basically because like you're on the dole and um, we're gonna like train you in, in something or whatever it's like fair enough and um, so I went into this course like already in a, like a fairly foul humor like just kind of frustrated at myself more than anything else um but then you know you get into the room and and you're like probably like the least frustrated person there because everyone's just like what the fuck am i doing here basically um and it was really interesting uh kind of like cross-section of kind of local community because there's just like people from all walks of life varying kind of educational backgrounds and interests and everything else um and I remember just thinking like oh there's like to feel like there's kind of like a, almost like a film in this um, and that's kind of where locus of control came from just kind of like self-pity and self-involved frustrated artist uh who uh is like a, basically a stand-up comedian but has no success in that uh is on the dole uh, and then true kind of social welfare is kind of co-opted into basically um teaching uh unemployed people and trying to like upskill them so he's kind of put in the position of um uh, an authority figure for these people even though he's exactly the same as them um, and uh, the longer he stays in the role the more kind of he sees his uh, his kind of creative ambitions fall by the wayside 
uh, and everything else. So it's kind of like horror comedy. Uh, horror Real movie. life horror. <laughs> Real life horror, yeah. I remember like when we were making it, John Morton, who plays the lead, and he was like, oh, it's like the Shining on a fast course, and, <laughs> which is pretty much it. Just all these like ominous corridors and uh, just uh, John Morton slowly going insane in a college in Sligo. So if that sounds like the kind of thing you're into, then definitely check out Locus of Control. Some serious escapism there. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it like? Did you, what kind of problems did you um, come into face with in regards to doing it on such a low budget? And and what was your, your time scale like? Um, so I think, I think I wrote it in like February um, or like started writing in February. And then I think, October of the same year we'd finished shooting it um, and then I'd used the summer to do like really really extensive recce's as I was rewriting the script um, and I would um, I'd just be like driving everywhere and finding locations that I thought were appropriate and then kind of adjusting the script to the locations I'd found and constantly doing that kind of back and forth so that when the film was when the film was done or when people are watching the film that things look a bit more purposeful and less kind of slapdash than would suggest because like the whole budget was like 800 quid and that's mainly paying for like people's like train tickets down from Dublin to Leitrim really yeah. uh, and and some and some bad <laughs> bad food uh low quality nutrition <laughs> but uh so like really low budget but I did put a lot of time into into the kind of like the recce side of things and like oh i could make this like look decent if i just put a lot of thought into it and then on top of that people just being really sound like asking them for things and them saying yes and it's like can we use your cafe one sunday morning kind of thing like yep sound um, and can we use like there's um there's a location in it towards the end of the film which is basically just like giants unused warehouse like we only see a tiny part of it the whole structure I think is like almost half a mile, which is like like crazy, just like these empty warehouses used to be all factories in Sligo. Um, and I I saw photos of the inside and I thought like that looks amazing. How do we get that? Um, and I got in touch with the person who took the photographs, asking them about the owners of the place, and they got me in touch with the owners of the place. And through that I met the owners and she actually brought me around. Like they, they were the current owners of this like kind of unused giant warehouse uh, and she showed me around the place, told me about their plans to like build a distillery here, all the kind of things they're going to do. And she's like, yeah, fire away, use location for free. Like, Amazing. Just like people being like really sound. It really, it would definitely put your faith in humanity when people are just so giving. And I think especially with the arts as well, because I think people do realize how kind of tough it is. And, you yeah. know, that's, that we really do kind of have to work for those kinds of things. Um, so, yeah, it's really, really satisfying. And uh, when people kind of just step up and and help Absolutely. you out. I think I, like it's easy for us to take all like the kind of like acting filmmaking side of things for granted. But I think a lot of times when you're talking to people like that, um, they're like really curious or they're like really interested. Is in like, what are you making? Like, or you know, like what's what's all this about? Like, we kind of take it for granted because, like, everyone that's our world. Them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then it's like, oh, like, like, what are you gonna do here? Like, like what's? Can I be in it? Yeah. 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 yeah basically. <laughs> amazing yeah and then the same with um 
locus of control it was the same you um wrote directed yeah <laughs> produced shot edited so how do you find kind of juggling all of these different roles on and offset because you know well like that obviously the the recce and stuff that would have been done by a producer or you know that kind of thing so is it that once you kind of write something or you come across something do do you just really like the kind of feeling of of having full ownership of it on top of obviously not having to to pay other people I know that is a big (laughs) aspect of it so we can't deny that but yeah at the locus kind of like cavalier was like um in that like I don't first of all there's like no money to make this but also was like I uh, at the time at least um had very limited contacts um I had loads of friends that were actors but like as far as like technical crew were concerned and um, I really didn't know anyone so those limitations were there I mean you could say that like well <laughs> maybe you shouldn't make a film if you don't have those access to those people uh, but prove them uh, wrong you prove uh, them wrong Sean <laughs> uh, so I do remember before making Locust it was like the only thing I said to myself was that um, I guess this is a way of just managing my own expectations or kind of trying to like um, not be so afraid of it or whatever. The only thing I said to myself was like that it just, the it's just a learning experience. And that's like ultimately the purpose of that. Cause I think, you know, if you're making, if you're making a film for, for that little money, you have to be, um, you know, reasonable in your expectations of it as well. Not that you like, you know, shouldn't aim high and set the bar high for yourself, but like at that point in my life and and say kind of making films I think that was like pretty reasonable expectation to kind of place in myself that was like okay I'm gonna learn how to do all these things it's not like I want to you know uh wear all those hats for like every film I make but equally it's like good to have some kind of understanding of of these things or how how efficiently or you know these things can be done and also when you see the limitations of what you can do yourself knowing what you know like a proper dp could bring to this with like even like a crew of like two and um, and like a lighting package and everything else but it's um yeah it's a real baptism of fire in terms of like just shooting something and you know you've got like 10 pages to get through that day and you're like right you really really force you to think about like coverage and what you really need to see and what you need for the edit and you know how to kind of move through the day quickly and stuff like that so there's there's very like practical things you can take away from it that you definitely know, yeah 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 so well it uh, it clearly worked uh clearly paid off because it got put on amazon prime which is amazing so what was that like learning that um it was going to be shown on amazon prime and also kind of I always think it's nice to acknowledge like what did it mean for those around you you know to kind of have something tangible now to kind of show you know this is this is all of those days that I'm you know working on this and and some people might be like what is he at or you know family or friends or you know yeah like what did that mean to you or or to those around you Uh, like in terms of like the film specifically like that's like a kind of really nice bookend to to it like uh, as opposed to maybe sitting on a hard drive and um, after like a, a small screen or whatever it's like oh it's nice it's kind of like out in the world in, in some way or another as far as like maybe my family are concerned 
I think maybe like a mention in the lead from Observer is probably more probably more real than uh, or probably more tangible than uh, like being on Amazon Prime. Really. A lot of talent seems to come out of Leitrim. I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a magical it's a place. Fact. It really is. It really is. Um, so, so yeah, Leitrim Observer, that's, um, that's the benchmark, I think, as far as my parents are concerned, because like filmmaking in general, that's like, I think still probably quite, I don't know, like elliptical or like, what do you really do? And I think, I think uh, we're both past the stage where um, myself and my parents both, you know, it's like, oh, like, you know, like he seems, he seems okay, basically, like he's not, he's yeah. not destitute or, you know, or whatever else. So I think like, as long as he's happy. That's exactly. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think they're, I think they're like, they're comfortable with that. Good, and good. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't try and make them understand what uh, making videos for the internet is for a job. And what is it that you would like for people to take away from Locus of Control? Um, I suppose Locus. Um, um, I suppose there's a few things. I think, like maybe from a kind of a script point of view, you look back at it now, like this could definitely be uh, more kind of focused or you know kind of a, a leaner more uh, effective story but i think at the time um there was there was like maybe like kind of frustrations i had um with myself um and trying to do something creative and the kind of the fear the fear of that kind of you know being able to express yourself or not be not have a voice or not be heard in some kind of way but then um guess through that like brief stint I had in the um, in the course that I mentioned that there was like uh, this kind of cross-section of of people um, and just lots of people that like kind of get forgotten about um, as well um, so there's so there's that kind of thing that I think I mean, you find you know across the world but like in particular to the film it's like small towns in, in rural Ireland and stuff like that where there is just lots of people that kind of get lost in the, those support systems and the kind of bureaucratic systems that are like meant to help people and uh, designed to help people uh, and do to a certain degree, but then there can be like all other kinds of like unaddressed issues that, that come from that. Um, and I think the film kind of tries to get at that, but it is um, maybe a little unfocused and a little vague and stuff as well. But, um, yeah, they're like definitely kind of Irish societal concerns that I suppose haven't gone anywhere um, really and are, are still there in terms of um, people without voice and people uh, in need of help. But um, yeah, almost like, you know, uh, they're given help, um, but then it's um, there's not very, there's very little understanding that goes with that kind of support as well. And, you know, you're expecting to be to be grateful just because it's their kind of thing yeah you're kind of given the paintbrushes but no canvas you know kind of yeah yeah exactly it's yeah. kind of tick the box kind of yeah and again um for people uh especially if people maybe in a kind of vulnerable part of their life or whatever like there's very little uh, kind of understanding given to any kind of creative pursuit especially as a, a job or something that's seen as like financially viable like so i think that's that's something um yeah that's something that can be you know quite devastating or, or soul crushing 
if you're maybe like a young person or any any stage in your life, but like a, particularly like a young people getting out of college, if they find themselves in that situation, it can be pretty uh, daunting if um, they don't maybe have the perspective of someone else around them or, or whatever else to, you know, reassure them like there is there is ways through this like definitely definitely well congratulations on it and for the listeners definitely go and check out locus of control on amazon prime so moving on a little bit now into a bit of a story time um i do think that the listeners might like to hear about your your tokyo adventure with uh, with paddy power yeah uh, that was um that's um that's just a very odd <laughs> odd kind of uh, life experience really uh, so that came about like just from doing uh, freelance uh, camera work and editing and um, at the time Paddy Power were doing I think it was um, they were going to Japan for the Rugby World Cup I think it was um, and they were doing um, like a four episode show in Japan um, in the build up to the World Cup I think that's what it was as opposed to the, the World Cup itself, it was like in the lead up to it. And uh, they're going to do like four episodes of the show. They had like Ruby Walsh and Seamus, as in the, the wrestler Seamus. Um, and then there's like Ruby Walsh. And then there's like um, Donnick O'Callaghan as well. And um, so like a very odd collection of people to, to be like flying to Japan with. Um, but my Japan experience was a lot of hotel rooms, like editing there and then like getting getting like dinner in the evening with like others oh, like Seamus sitting across from you and you know you're just you're just chatting about chatting about life or it was a quite quick turnarounds very quick turnaround like we were putting out like doing all-nighters like just to get episodes out like for like Irish time back home and stuff like that I had like three hours maybe the first morning I think we were there that was like just time of my own I was like right okay I'm getting a subway card I'm going to, I can do like one touristy thing. Like I can't come to Japan and not have done a, a touristy Japan thing. So I got like a subway card, hopped in the subway. Just like I'm going to make the subway like part of the tourist experience, basically. Uh, so hopped in the subway and then went to like Shibuya Junction, you know, like lost in translation kind of. Yeah. So went there with like a million other tourists because everyone goes into like the Starbucks and just like take pictures. Uh, so like, I'm, you know, being, been been a very uh basic uh tourist here but uh i was like i can do one thing i was like i'll do that um but all of it was really cool um it's like you know when you go to like a country it's like you go to look at those like certain monuments or certain locations or whatever else but like it's all the kind of little things along the way that you maybe remember like coming out of the subway and it's like so humid but then it like starts raining and then everyone takes out their umbrellas and like oh this feels like a like video game like version of japan like this this feels like Japan, like duh. But, and I'd say uh, it feels so mad to think now to even just be around that many people. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just thinking there. Yeah. Uh, it was just like, uh, yeah, because it's like it's just throng of people. And even like just hopping on the subway and all those things. Or like going into that Starbucks, which is just like wedged with people. It's just like, yeah, not a hope that'll be happening now. <laughs> Insane. But, you know, Hopefully soon. But, I know, uh, fingers crossed. 
Um, well, um, after you were, well, since you have been invited to partake in Berlin Ale's Talents 2019. So that's a platform designed by the Berlin International Film Festival to support the top 250 emerging filmmakers from around the world. So that's incredible to chat to us about that, that kind of process and how that came about. Um, so that's... Um, that was a really good experience, and um, that's something that I applied for. I think they have like an open, they have like an open um, like application uh, portal every year for um, for for filmmakers, for young filmmakers. Uh, and I think I didn't actually remember this when I applied, but I was like I'd been thinking about it, um, and I was like, okay, I should put in um, something to the the talents, and you know, just basically try and get there. And when I was submitting the application, um, it had like a category of like all oh, previous submissions. And I was like, there's one from like 2014. I was like, I don't remember doing this at all. Um, but if you go through like all their kind of blogs and literature on their websites and stuff like that, they, I think at some point they mentioned that like, you know, if you don't get in, don't be discouraged, you know, try again next year, the year after that or whatever, which is obviously what I'd done without even <laughs> realizing it. Um, but um, so if anyone was doing it and they don't get it the first time, I would you know suggest doing it again because I think they do like to see um, that you know your application will be there and if you know there's progression in those few years, you're like oh this is someone that's been kind of doing something and everything else. So I think that kind of stood to me. So if anyone wants to do that, definitely give that a go. But um, it was a really cool experience. Um, I've never been involved in anything like that before. That's my first time. Um, like getting to go to like a big international film festival and um, so we got like lots of cool workshops we've done you know kind of like speed dating type things where we're like you know a room full of like 100 people and every few minutes we're kind of moving on so you're just getting to get to meet filmmakers from all over the world actually not just Europe um, and you're seeing you're seeing how how diverse it is like in terms of people's approach to their career, like filmmaking and everything else. Um, and there's just like, I think that would, maybe that was like one of the biggest takeaways because we got to listen to a lot of different filmmakers as well, like kind of independent filmmaking backgrounds. But then like the the people I was there with, um, that was like a kind of big takeaway. It's like, oh, there's no, there's no one right way to do this really. Um, because some people are incredibly, incredibly adept or talented at like, certain things straight out the bathroom was like funny fun filmmakers like um and then there's other people that like just have like a really interesting point of view and kind of approach it from a completely different way and there is like there really is like kind of a, a path for everyone it's just uh, a matter of kind of sticking to it and kind of finding your voice in, in that process which is definitely the hardest part but yeah that was kind of the big takeaway that like however you want to do any of this is just as valid as, as anything else you got to approach really amazing and did you um do you have any plans to kind of work with anyone that you met or did you kind of take away um, some well, some cool contacts with, yeah i kept in touch with a few people and um, one of one of the guys actually um i met him he was like a writing and directing his own stuff and he since produced a film a short film that like uh, won the Best short film award I can last year and so it's um it's really cool just like kind of meeting these people <clears throat> like because if you were to just see that like um you know listing in a magazine or a news report or whatever it's like 
it seems very like far flung as in like oh like this is I can't relate to this like this kind of magnitude of success is ridiculous but then like you you've you know you've met these people uh, and they're just like incredibly just nice and thoughtful and down to earth and and just hard work and everything else so in that sense like it um kind of puts things in perspective and show you what's like achievable really as well um, and then it's just like great to see these people kind of progress as well and um, so it kind of you know through instagram and just like kind of social media stuff just like, uh, messaging and everything else there is offers from like uh from like egypt and spain and everything else if i ever want to make a find myself uh, there and everyone to make a film that uh, I've got I've got contacts and resources so maybe I should uh, take them up on that as well absolutely why not <laughs> that sounds amazing that's it's such a an incredible opportunity and um and definitely one I'd say that that will stick to you for a long time but since then 2020 has hit so what has it been like being a filmmaker um in the last year um kind of what were your kind of highs and lows because I know you still kind of have been quite busy and working um but I imagine it's de definitely fluctuated um yeah for sure um I suppose um I've been lucky in that like um there's a lot of editing work um that's like kind of come in throughout like the last year and everything else but um, that initial lockdown um, back when I suppose like everyone was kind of confused or like what's happening or like when you think back to it now it was kind of like weirdly exciting <laughs> yeah like I definitely like, definitely like have like fond memories of and now, just, like, now it's just like Groundhog Day it's yeah, over it now like, we're done now like definitely like uh, the third lockdown is like okay like this is I can feel this like wearing me down a little bit now whereas like the first one we're kind of like you know spring going into summer it's just like hello this is, <laughs> you know i've got a i've got a few a few free hours in my on my hand here and uh just like a uh, footloose and fancy free yeah. um, but um yeah so I, I think probably like a lot of people as well use uh, the first lockdown as an opportunity for for writing this seems like uh you know makes makes the most sense creatively can't really uh, do anything else right now so uh, I'll just start like writing stuff so that was kind of that's always fun and um, so I was doing that but any shoots that I have done say in the last like you know 12 month, or well 10 month period or so and um, they've been it's varying degrees of success in the first place actually because there's shoots that I would have been part of maybe around October or whenever the last time we kind of had things a little bit more open there and um, and that was going to be shot. It was like a short film, and um, that was going to be shot over the space of like two weekends. And we got halfway through it, and then things went into lockdown again. And then the January shoot dates for that are up in the air, I guess mm -hmm. now. And um, but I mean, it can be done absolutely when you know the numbers aren't the way they are right now. And um, it can be done. And um, just everyone being like kind of vigilant and kind of just the kind of extra considerations and time you, you allow for for all the stuff that goes with like all the kind of COVID practices and stuff like that so it can be done it's like definitely added stress for everyone not just like an organizational point of view even you know everyone has like kind of varying degrees of like like just how anxious the whole pandemic makes them basically and what they're comfortable doing and everything else and um, 
so it definitely adds layers of complexity to it but like i have friends that have have made um have made shorts and the pandemic uh, and done all kinds of, of other you know productions varying budget levels and everything else i shot something very small with um some mates of mine all actors that like lived in a house this may about may and they're all just gone like mad to like make something i suppose everyone kind of un- can understand that impulse like um something yeah to make me remember being an actor or creator (laughs) or yeah just anything (laughs) so i I met up with them uh to like shoot something in like a couple of hours basically just like stuck on my long lenses and because they were all like living together like actors living together anyway uh we could just we could just do that and just like left them some radio mics to like mic themselves up so uh it was it was a bit of fun but again like um very very kind of low stakes uh, and low risk um kind of production as well there was no uh there was no tom cruise freak out or anything on any of this (laughs) i mean uh that would have you know i think we're missing maybe a little bit of a a tom cruise stunt in the the movie that we shot around portobello but um you know you work what you have as well if we had tom he'd be more than welcome Absolutely. And is that is that Russian holiday? Is that the one you're talking no, about? It was or no, this is a different one. Uh, made after that Russian holiday, we uh, made uh, November, like shot November 2019. Um, and like truthfully, you like probably wouldn't have been able to make, no, you definitely wouldn't be able to make that last year. There's just like so much like physical contact, like kind of mm-hmm. fight scenes and different things like that. Uh, and even like stuff like the pub scene at the start where we just kind of wedged in together all coming from different houses and you know getting there in public transport or bikes or whatever like all the kind of considerations you, you think about it now it's just like oh god it was like it was so easy then i know um, as but, if it wasn't hard enough yeah i know i know <laughs> um, but that is that is i guess maybe uh talking about like doing the like shooting directing or like you know a few different roles in one I mean, it does come in handy in that sense and that like you know if you want to if you want to limit do the numbers kind of, exactly yeah kind of creative uh you, you can and um, so something like that but yeah i had planned to like make a few more things like russian holiday last year and and kind of like comedic violent silly kind of things um but yeah like all of those scripts like involves like fight scenes and just different kind of things that you'd be very wary of with uh with covid especially uh, like a you know without the resources to be able to make people safe essentially and so put those put those in the back burner Um, definitely definitely um so finally kind of to wrap up a little bit what is next for sean clancy can (laughs) can we be privy to know any any upcoming details well i mean i suppose the one thing learned or like we've all learned maybe in the last few months is that uh (laughs) <laughs> plans uh plans are only provisional um so hopefully um hopefully there's a few more short films and um, there's some things that are like uh good to go there's a good few things um that are like good to go and uh, just because we've had the time to like put them together in the last year um and i would like to get i'd like to get um some of those made this year you know if it's safe to do so and you know whatever else but there is kind of smaller scale ones that would be like um you know a day or two kind of shoots uh so like 
small in that sense and manageable that'd be very exciting to do um, and yeah i think that is my ambition for for 2021 just to to try and make those uh, short films that i thought i would have made in, in 2020 i think um, if 2020 taught us anything is uh, to keep our expectations low now <laughs> oh yeah so if anything happens now it's a complete celebration which is fantastic oh absolutely so, yeah that sounds that sounds pretty good no so yeah that's uh, that's it um that's me setting the bar low and uh, I'll, just, I'll just aim for that no no you said it very very high so thank you so much for coming on to talk to me today so from myself and the team at Irish Film London we wish you all the luck in the world with your future projects and we look forward to seeing them lovely Thanks, well, thank you Sean Cheers. talk to you soon bye and that's a wrap on our chats today. Thank you so much to Sean for taking the time to talk to me. We're really excited to see what's next in store for him. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Simply search for Irish Film London on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out our website and keep up to date on all of the things we're up to. If you enjoy your IFL experience, there's also an option of giving us a little donation as we are a non-profit organisation or even becoming a champion to get all of the perks that come along with that. A final thank you to the Irish Emigrant Support Programme and Culture Ireland who've been brilliant supporters of ours for years. Gurmila Mahagut. The Irish Film London podcast is presented and produced by me, Neve Brannigan. We're edited by Owen Bill Cliff and our theme music is by Kevin McLeod. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you all again soon. <laughs>